Welcome to Inside and Out with Mike and Nate. Today we're going to start the show talking about managerial hires in the MLB and more specifically what qualities make a great manager, what you should look for in a manager. So I'm going to ask Nate, what do you think that is? Well, to start, I think one important thing of being a good manager is having the leadership to run a team and building good uh, relationships with your teammates and coaches and players on the team, I think. For example, David Ross, the Cubs recently hired him, I think. I mean, he's a fan favorite. A lot of guys love him in the clubhouse, I assume. He's really close with Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, all those guys in the World Series team. But I think he brings young and positive energy to the team. I mean, I th- it was time for Joe Madden to go, so that's uh, one part. I mean, David Ross is, like, a great guy, to, I think, personally, because, like, I mean, all the fans love him. I mean, he's young. He knows how to lead a team. I mean, all the teams he's been on, he's been a leader, veteran leadership. And I think he has lots of positive relationships with uh, guys on the team. So I'm going to add on to this, right? Carlos Beltran recently hired as the Mets manager. He has a relationship with a lot of the players on the team um, as a former player. There are managers in the MLB that have – MLB experience. How important do you think it ha- is to have played in the MLB, right? If a guy, let's say, played college ball or played high school ball, really wasn't there, had an injury, never really made it. H- how important do you think it is to have major league experience? And if so, what do you, th- what position do you think is ideal for being an MLB manager? I think it's important to have some type of correlation to baseball. I mean, not necessarily playing it. I mean, like, maybe something happened, like, at a young age where, like, you got hurt or something and, like, it took your career away, but you stayed in the... Um, in the loop. In the loop of having, like, right. love and passion for baseball. I think that... Um, being, like, an old person... Not old person, but, like, you know, experience. having experience. Yeah. I mean, it's important to, like... You know more about what's going on if you've had experience in perhaps college ball or professional MLB, but I don't think there's a specific position that takes the role in determining if you're a good manager or not. I think it's just how seriously you take the role and the things you want to do if you're set on the things you want to do first that like you can get to improve your team. Okay. I do agree. I think there is, you know, a set importance for being, you know, an MLB player. With that in mind, I don't think there's a direct correlation between playing in the majors and not. We saw Paul Molitor, right? I wouldn't say he was unsuccessful as the Twins manager. He had about, what, 10 years of experience. The only issue was with some of these players, you know, let's say Carlos Beltran. He had 20 major league years. The question is, is nothing is the same as major league coaching experience like major league coaching experience. Playing the game, you know, when you are a, a hitter like Carlos Beltran, you're not exposed to, you know, making bullpen decisions, uh, double shifts. Like, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of the game that you're not really exposed to. And while you might be a leader in the clubhouse, that doesn't mean you know how to manage a game. You know, there's there's definitely a difference. Um, and with that, I, I wanted to ask, what do you think in terms of, like, having a hunch feeling versus analytics? 
Is there a happy medium? Should it be one or the other? Where do you think that lies? Well, going back to what you recently said, I think maybe being a catcher helps. I agree. I think yeah. being a leader behind the plate is important. But also at the same time, I mean, Mike Matheny, he was catcher. Now yeah. he was manager for the Cardinals, recently hired for the Royals, Royals position. Yeah. I mean, he had a great career, and he did a good job with the Cardinals for a little bit. But, I mean, knowing a lot more about shifts is more recent baseball and it is. baseball. Yeah. So that's something that new managers have to focus on a little bit more. So that's my opinion. Okay. And then talking about analytics, I think baseball needs to stay away from analytics. I know stat cast and all that stuff is, like, kind of the norm now, and it's a new generation. I think that's, like, important, but you see all the percentages on shifts of batted balls and, like, personally watching so many Cubs games being from Chicago, you see all the shifts they have on, like, Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. I mean, you see them rip balls in, like, places where no one usually is, and then because of the shift, they're there. So I think analytics play a big role, but I think managers need to kind of do their own thing. I mean, yeah, you can look at analytics and that stuff, but what makes a good manager isn't going to be based off analytics. Okay. I I do disagree with you in that I think there is an importance in analytics. I like the way Carlos Beltran phrased it, right? It, I tell my players, his quote was, I tell my players the word information, not analytics. When a player hears analytics, they get scared, right? And... <clears throat> Analytics isn't necessarily launch angle, right? And while there is kind of this generation push for launch angle, getting under the ball, um, and there could be some pros and cons to that, and for good reason, right? We've seen strikeouts go so much higher because guys are trying to hit it out of the park. And the older age baseball players don't like that, right? Because they were taught stay level to the ball and get on base. And there is a truth to that. Um, we see guys, uh, Kyle Schwarber, okay, bases loaded, and you'll see him trying to swing for the fences. You know, a grand slam is awesome. But with two outs, you know, what happens to your two-strike approach? Do you get short to the ball and try to put it in play? Or are you trying to think, be you know, play hero ball? And I feel like analytics is trying to <coughs> – there is this aspect of analytics – that might suggest, you know, launch angle is good and home runs are awesome and that increases your run production. There's all this, but I do think that is kind of a misconception. I think analytics do, you know, have that kind of launch angle. That that philosophy is involved in analytics, but at times analytics could be shifts, you know, could be playing the right players in the right position, could be... It, there's so many things that entail analytics. In in that regard, though, I don't think that it should be all analytics. We saw Gabe Kapler of the Phillies recently got fired. He is a managerial finalist for the, for the Giants, San Francisco Giants job, but he failed. And whether you want to you know react to it or not, he went for all analytics. It didn't work. He was too analytics heavy, and. We saw on opening day, we saw Michael Franco uh, of his of his first year and as a MLB coach, he benched what was thought to be his best hitter in Michael Franco. First day, he didn't even make the lineup, and Michael was thinking, "What happened? You don't know, like I'm a great player, 
and he flat out told him, I didn't think you were, you, you should have faced off against this pitcher. And all the older MLB managers were freaking out. They're like, dude, this is your best hitter. I don't care what the splits say on the first game of the season. Your bet, you know, your best guy should be out there. Your opening day lineup. It ignited co- controversy. So I do think some of that is gut feeling, right? Like you're not going to bench Michael Franco on the first day of the season just because the analytics tell you to bench him. So I think what we're seeing this MLB push towards managers that might not have experience, David Ross, Carlos Beltran, but they do find that happy medium between gut feeling and, and analytics, and I think that's what kind of these these teams are trying to trying to go for. Yeah, I think it's important that some analytics are important as well, but I think what you said, having a happy medium is important for managers to not only base their decisions on what they think is right, but not solely cancel everything out with analytics what like what you said with Michael Franco I mean he's been a great hitter in the league for a while and that decision that Gabe Kaplan made was just incorrect and not didn't make fair. sense not yeah. logical right I'm gonna move on to the MLB playoff analysis right we just had the MLB playoffs um and I would say it was kind of I mean in terms of going into the series Nats Astros the odds were heavily in the Astros favor they got a little hot against the Yankees but I don't think anyone saw the Nats coming in as the wild card team. They literally almost lost if yeah. it wasn't for Hayter and Trent Grisham, you know, working their magic in the ninth yeah. inning. We were going to see the Brewers advance. So, you know, what are your thoughts as to, like, what needs to happen in the playoff for you to get to the World Series? Is it 100% talent-driven? Like, what do you think you need to do to win the whole thing in the playoffs? I think getting hot at the right time, I mean, don't get me wrong, Nationals pitching is outstanding with Scherzer, Very good. Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, and you can even put Anibal Sanchez in there. He was great. But they got so hot at the right time, I mean, they cooled down for a little bit during games three and four, but they flipped the switch and they got ready. I mean, manager Davey Martinez was on the hot seat for a little bit. Yeah, mid-season I mean, for sure. They were, yeah, for sure. I mean, they didn't start the way they want to, but... He turned that team around. I mean, he got those guys together, brought them together, and talked to them, saying, like, this is the time we need to go after it. And I think he motivated his team to do better. I mean, you Trey Turner and Adam Eaton at the beginning of the lineup were lethal. I mean, getting on base, like, almost all the time. I mean, Hard outs. Trey Turner stealing second base on the first pitch of the second at-bat of the World Series. I mean, they were ready to go. They weren't scared of anything. I mean... How good the Astros have been in the playoffs in recent years, winning the World Series a couple years back, but nothing stopped the Nationals this year. I mean, they got really hot, and I think that's what boosted them to coming back and winning the World Series. And and this kind of initiates a side conversation, and we'll talk about it, which is you know how important is the role of a manager. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tie this back. I do think you know on paper it's not even close. I think the Astros. Not only do they have better starting oh, pitching. I mean, we're talking about generational talent in terms of the pitching on each of these teams. Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Anibal Sanchez, that's a fantastic four. But when you're marching out, Justin Verlander, Garrett, Garrett Cole, um, and Zach Greinke, like, that's just as good. And when a guy like um, Wade Miley, right, he was fantastic for them down, like, down the stretch. He was great. Um, he didn't throw hard. Induce soft contact, 
But a guy like him, he didn't even make the playoff roster, which was, you know, a, definitely a surprise. When a team is that talented <coughs> and they don't need a guy like Wade Miley to win games in the playoffs, that should tell you that they are so talented that they should have an easy run at this thing, right? But it's a, it's a weird shift we're seeing. And it's kind of like if you get hot at the right time, you win games. What happened to the Los Angeles Dodgers? We were talking about the best Dodgers team in the decade. This team was fantastic. It had all these types of talent. And they solved their bullpen issue. And everything was awesome. And then they lost the Nationals. And the Nationals were steaming hot. If you look at the Astros' bats through the World Series, you struggled to see anyone hitting over 200. We only had Brantley, who was great throughout the entire playoffs, hit, hit 300. And then we see Altuve, who was steaming hot. And even a little bit of Springer, but Bregman, Bregman was, for was the, the entire playoffs yeah, is non-existent. Like game two or something. Right, and he, I mean, his his hits were clutch, right? They were home runs. But having two hits the entire postseason and being home runs, I mean, that doesn't make up for a lack of performance the entire playoffs. So I think we're we're starting to see the shift. It doesn't need to be. I think there is an aspect. Like, you're not going to have the Orioles, you know, out in the playoffs and they get steaming hot. Like, there are limits, right? And you have to have good players. But good players that are hot at times can be better than great players that are maybe not hot or cold. And I think that's what we saw. And I also want to touch on this. The Rays went down early, okay? And no one was expecting them to be, like, some force. But I think that down the road, they are probably, in terms of their development, uh, their general manager, uh, their coach, Kevin Cash, I think he's the best manager in baseball. That's my opinion. They do everything. All the little things, they do right. If you look at... They were the, the, okay, the opener was an idea years prior. It was done in the minors. It's been done for years. But this was the first major league application of the, of the opener. And the opener, it's designed for teams that don't have great starting pitching but have an amazing bullpen. It, it, it's essentially a bullpen game or a delayed starting game. And ever since they've put the opener in place, they have the lowest ERA in baseball. The stats show... Whatever the Rays do, it works. And and this is what you these are the types of strategies you see, right? Why it, it begs the question, why don't teams like the Orioles try this? The Orioles are horrible. If they lose an extra game because they tried the opener and it didn't work, you know, who cares? Because losing games, experimenting versus losing games because you're just marching the same guys out there every day, there's clearly a difference in and how and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And I don't think I think the Rays just are so well-rounded that we saw them spend not that much money. I mean, obviously, all these contracts are a lot of money. But comparatively, we saw a guy like Charlie Morton. He did well. Did he do how well Garrett Cole is going to do this offseason? No. But he did well. And now he finished third in Cy Young voting. Teams like the Astros, teams like the Rays, they are so good at developing talent, turning guys like uh, Garrett Cole. On the, on the Pirates, to Garrett Cole on the Astros, teams like that can develop like that, it, you know, it's game over. And you see these average players turn to superstars. And it's all about team development. And I think the Astros and the Rays are at the top of the charts. Um, I think that was pretty good for our MLB playoff analysis. I want to talk about... Can I add one thing? Yeah, go ahead. I think that one thing that the Rays lacked was... 
a sense of leadership, veteran leadership. I think, yeah, you might have had Charlie Morton, pitcher, but if you look at their lineup, I mean, they're very young. Yeah. One experienced guy, Tommy Pham. I don't know if he can lead a team like that. Avisel Garcia, Yeah, Avisel Garcia, but, I mean, the Nationals, Ryan Zimmerman, he was their first overall draft pick ever. It's national. I mean, it's awesome. Like, after everything that he's done with that team, they finally won a World Series for him. It's because of his leadership. He got. He also probably encouraged his teammates to get going, and I think that the Rays are on the rise with that, and I think they're going to be a scary team in the coming years. So do you think they should target that veteran leadership? I think so. I think they need to get a guy. I don't know who. Yeah. A I, position player. Yeah. I mean, even Howie Kendrick on the Nats, he was great. Um, NLCS. MVP, yeah. 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 And, if the, it, you know, we see teams like the Cubs marching out – Zobrist. Is Zobrist a World Series player? I don't know. You know, I don't think so. But is Zobrist the leader in the locker room that'll push his guys to work harder? I do. Um, and I do think that that is a true thing. I do think that might be something that they should target in the offseason. Um, and I think they're way closer to, you know, winning a World Series than everyone else might think. For sure. I think we're going let, to... Let's move on to the NFL. Um, and Nate and I made some, some power rankings. We we have very similar power rankings. And the interesting ones are, I would say the most interesting one is we both had the 49ers atop the entire league. Uh, I had the 49ers. I'm just going to give you my top five. I had the 49ers, Pats, Saints, Chiefs, and Ravens. Nate, you want to give your top five? I also had uh, 49ers, one, Pats, two, Saints, three, Ravens, four, and Chiefs, five. Pretty pretty similar, um, which is which is not a bad thing, and I want to kind of initiate this conversation. Why why do you think I'm going to give my reason after? Why do you think the Forty ers are are the best team in the league? I just well not based on the Forty ers I just don't think that the Patriots' offense is there yet. I mean I don't know if it's <laughs> clicking like the way it needs to be. I mean we've clearly seen how talented and op their defense is, but. Patriots need or Patriots offense needs to improve for them to take over this number one overall ranking, but based on the Forty ers I mean we've seen their defense, Nick Bosa outstanding, unbelievable. Uh, Richard Sherman, veteran leadership, great. Once again, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's great. George Kittle has really stepped up. Um, Matt Breda, he's been a stud this year. Yeah. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders recently getting him, I think that was a great move for them. I mean. They needed that veteran wide receiver, too, to take over the young wide receivers and take him into their hands, I think. I just think that they're they're on a roll right now. I mean, veteran kicker Robbie Gould, too. I mean, yeah. they got everything they need. Everything's I mean, gone. I'm not sure how hard of a schedule they've played so far. It's questionable, and I don't think it's up to, like, the Pats coming out of this season. They had a top three in terms of, like, strength of schedule. They were top three on the easy side, so... I think there should be an argument against both. We just saw the Pats play the play the Ravens. They lost. Um, I'm not fully convinced, to be honest with you, that the the Pats went out there and said, you know, let's let's you know go balls to the wall because I don't know if they did. I think um, it was a trap game either way. You think? Yeah. And I also think that. You listen, even, I think you could even put the Saints in the discussion for number one. I do too. Uh, they are. I mean, you went five games without. Drew Brees. Right, like, if Bridgewater's marching out there and putting up those types of numbers, then, you know, I can't imagine what 
Breeze has done it, and he's done. He's kept it up. So, I think the only difference is in today's day and age, it's not just having an offense or a defense. We saw the Chiefs. Let, let's talk about the Rams, right? The Rams were they have all these fantastic players on defense. Last year, the Rams with like Sean McVay, everyone thought he was the best in the NFL. And I think we've seen some of these smarter head coaches, Nagy, uh, McVay. I think we've seen them. I just kind of with Nagy. Re- regress. You think you think Nagy's better? I no, I think Nagy's worse. As in, like, not on that level. I don't think Nagy's at that level yet. I mean, if you told me that at the end of last year, last year, last year, I loved him. Awesome. Yeah, but this year, I mean, I guess some of the blame is on Trubisky. A I mean, lot it of has it, to be. A lot of it has to be on him. But <coughs> I also think Nagy's play calling has been subpar to what Trubisky's yeah. strengths are. Mm-hmm. I mean. Trubisky, yeah, he's had a little bit of a rough stretch, you could say. Yeah, I but, would. I would say. I mean, it's, it's. Uh, would you say it's been predictable or no? <clears throat> I don't know if it's predictable. I, I just, think it's not surprising. Let's say that I don't. Based on his year last year, he was probably above average. I mean, you were watching him march out Khalil Mack in the line of scrimmage for two point conversions and them being successful, like. That was the key. Creativity was like 2018 was the year of creativity, right? Like Chiefs, Bears. Yeah, Chiefs, Bears, uh, Rams. And I, I think that we've, we've kind of put together, right, you have to have a balanced game plan. You can't be passing the ball every play. You can't be running the ball every play. You, I mean, two weeks ago, David you Montgomery. the ball one, yeah, one carry. Yeah, mean, like what's going on? You can't here? rely on a quarterback that's been shaky all year to – Throw the ball that many times. Every every time. Right. It doesn't make sense. And and that's kind of what I'm touching at. You have to have a balanced offensive scheme, and you have to have a good offense and good defense. Um, while the Pats' offense has been suspect, right? Tom Brady, the, the two numbers I want to put in, you know, put in, that offense is 28th in yards per play, which is not good at all. Like, that's at the, on the, you know, the lower third of the league. 12th in scoring drive percentage. That's fine, Decent. but it's not pants, right? And Tom Brady's the GOAT. Bill Belichick might be the greatest coach of all time, and they're 12th in an offensive stat. I do think he. it's hard for me to say he's regressed, right, because they won, they won out and won the Super Bowl last year, and sure, the guy's 40-whatever years old, but they're still winning games at a high level. And after one game, we're calling them suspect. There is a reason for them to say, why are you doubting us? And we watched Tom Brady go into the Super Bowl last year and say, everyone's been against us and we love it. And they they proved everyone wrong. I don't think it's a definite thing that the 49ers are better than the Pats and Saints. And if I had to guess right now, I'm saying that the 49ers are better than the Pats and Saints. Am I sold that this is something by the end of the year? That holds? Absolutely not. And I think that this these can, you know, go up and down, but I just don't think the 49ers have proved to us that there's anything that's gone wrong. They're undefeated. They're winning games. Grapple looked awesome on Thursday. You know, why think anything else is kind of is kind of the conclusion I'm reaching. Um I do think though that getting this one loss out of the way for the Patriots is good. I think it motivates them a little bit more. Okay. Because I don't I mean Obviously, I don't think going into the playoffs undefeated is special. Yeah. 
I think it's bad that way. You I think th- so. You, do you think you need to encounter failure? I think you do. I think because if you don't lose a game, your players are gonna get very comfortable. I mean, no matter how good of a coach you are, players are still gonna get comfortable. They need to be pushed to an extreme level. I mean, that's what makes all the good programs like top of the level programs. Really? But I still think that a loss is important down the road because I think it prepares your team for success, and now you know what it feels like. So. That's my thought. I'm going to put in a quote by uh, Dabo Sweeney. Okay. Clemson had a had a close game at uh, a closer Carolina. game. Yeah. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I don't want to say he had to work his butt off in the fourth quarter, but he had to work harder than a blowout. And they asked Dabo, they said, hey, you know, we bumped you down in the AP, you know, the AP poll. What are your thoughts? You know, is that good? Is that bad? What do you think? And he said, I got to see the real fourth quarter Trevor Lawrence in action. There is an aspect. Like, if you're blowing guys out and you're not losing games, how are you going to find out how your players are going to play in a in a tight game down, down the line? We've only seen two teams have undefeated seasons. The Dolphins with... Uh, it was, it was the Dolphins when they w- won the whole thing, but they didn't have a full 17-game season. And we saw the Patriots, and they didn't win the Super Bowl. So I think that goes to show, right? We haven't seen a team with a 17-game schedule win every regular season game and go on to win the Super Bowl. It hasn't done. So I do think that there is an aspect of that that, yeah, maybe that's something that's important, losing one game just so they can figure it out. I want to kind of tie this back a little bit to the MLB, MLB free agency is coming up, okay? And while everyone, you know, the, Super, the, the World Series happens, we're all moving on, it's football time. At least for me, free agency is one of my favorite parts. Um, MLB trade rumors posted their MLB predictions in terms of where everyone ends up. I wanted to kind of talk about where I think the fits exist, what I think will happen. I'm going to start off with Garrett Cole. He's... The best free agent, in my opinion, it might be Brendon, it might be Strauss. I think Cole's the best pitcher in baseball, it's my opinion. I agree. I think he's been dominant the yeah, entire year. Yeah, I think he's awesome. Nothing it, proves against why he shouldn't be at the top. He wants to be on the West Coast. And the Angels seem like the logical fit. I think that's probably where he goes. If I had to guess, that's where he ends up. I, I you know, and here's the thing. I think Joe Madden looks like a genius. I think that... The Angels are going to spend big time. They have Otani coming back to pitch. They have all, everything's working for them, right? And they're going to pay all of their players. I think they're going to really try to be good. And they have Joe Adele, right? Their number one prospect, the top five prospect in baseball. Really He's making his ways up. Yeah. They're going to be good. And I think Joe Mann's going to look like a genius because he took a team that couldn't win to a team that is winning. Gonna win. Right. So... We'll, you know, we'll see. In terms of Strauss and Rendon to the Nats, I don't think they, I, I don't think they get both of them. I think it's one or the other. And if I had to pick, I think it's Strauss. Jeff Passan of ESPN said he thinks that Rendon's going to end up on the Dodgers, which would be unbelievable. That'd be scary. Yeah, I mean, we've heard reports that they want. Francisco Lindor. If they get Francisco Lindor or Anthony Rendon, I think it's it might be game over. But this is like the fifth time we've said that. You know they'll add never clutch out in the World Series. They'll add Darvish. Oh, you know it's over. Astro has add Zach Greinke. 
these supposed super teams haven't worked out the way everyone thinks they are. Um, and that and that's a real question. But I do think that the Dodgers adding Rendon or Francisco Lindor that's that's kind of overpowering. Going to the Nats in free agency, I do think that the Nats will end up choosing between Strasburg and Rendon. That that's kind of what I am confident in. I think it's easier to you know to sign that check after winning a World Series. You want to maintain that success. I just don't think they can pay him. You know, the storyline going into this past year was would they pay Harper? They didn't pay him. And for such a great player, they they let him go. That begs the question, you know, can they afford these two players? I don't think so. I don't. I don't, yeah. And, I, th- you know, with Ren- with the Rendon to L.A. storyline, I, I don't know. I don't. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. You know, and... And that's the thing with free agency. You might have this hunch, but no one really knows. I'm going to move on to Abreu, Jose Abreu. He's the only player I feel confident that will re-sign. I agree. Ken Rosenthal said they were doing probabilities, right? What's the probability? This player re-signs this player, this player, this player. It came to Jose Abreu, and he said 10 out of 10. He said, I know for a fact they've been working this out since the beginning of the season. It's going to get done. It's a perfect fit. Abreu loves the White Sox, and the White Sox love him. I think they're going to pay it and become a, a real, you know, competent team. I I do think they make big improvements. I Earlier, you and I talked, and you said, I think the White Sox are going to be really good. I want to hear why you think that. I think they're on the that. rise. I really do. I mean, I think they're on the rise. I don't think they're going to win games. I think I they're years think away from be, winning. I think they'll be above 500. If not this year, then next year they'll be in the playoffs. I think the stuff that they got going on over there, they're building the right momentum. They're going to go out and get some big this offseason, I feel like. Who? Oh. Like pitching? Like like pitching, hitting, what do you think? Both. I think they're going to get one of each. Okay. I think it helps resigning Jose Abreu. He's been there for a while. All-star last year. Or maybe two Two years years ago. ago. Two years ago. But... I think that we saw them win games this year. Not as many as they wanted to, but speaking to a lot of White Sox fans, I mean, they're all excited. Yon Moncada had a really good year this awesome. past year. Awesome, really good. Um, Elo Jimenez, hit or miss, yeah. lots of home runs. Um, James McCann was an all-star. He was a beast. I think they're going to get a big arm uh, and, a, and a, a bat that they can... Win games Win with. games with. I mean, MLB Trade Rumors has... They have them... Castellanos. Yeah, Casty. And... They really have Castellanos going to the White Sox. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. I, I think he's going to resign with the Cubs. I think they're working it out. You think so? I think so. I mean... He had a great year regularly. Going to the Cubs, I mean... They decline David Phelps and Cole Hamill's offer. Which yeah. clears up some space for them. I mean, they need some work in the offseason. The Cubs? Yeah. I I have some possible intel. I have heard that Chris Bryant is is possibly being shipped. Um, and I do think they're also trying to work on sending Contreras somewhere else. Contreras is kind of like, what? You I know, like, like Contreras. And everyone loves Contreras. He's a very likable player. Has I a little bit of flair. I love Chris Bryant too, but 
I was not thrilled with his performance. His performance this past you year. You went from an MVP to like bad to like good. And this is where I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna talk about Contreras and why I think that's a possibility. When I first heard it, I was like, oh yeah, they're sending you know the best one of the best offensive catchers in baseball away. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And here's the thing: his pitch framing sucks, and it's it's weird because no one really talks about the value of pitch framing. But in terms of his runs, he has given away a collective 19 runs throughout the season in his pitch framing, which is not good. Meaning, strikes to balls, balls to strikes, he's lost 19 collective runs of his pitch framing, um, which was, I think was third to last behind two catchers that are not big names. I just love the energy he has. I mean, he's a, he's a guy with flair. He's young. He hits, who, usually. Who, what catcher are they going to bring in? And here's the thing. I think hiring David Ross, though, as a former catcher, helps mature him, build him along better. I think that the Cubs believe in Caratini. And while Caratini's not NLB, he's not an all-star, from what I've heard, what they want to do is pair Caratini with another catcher, not a big name. Split time. Kind of like a Robinson Torinos. You know, can't hit, but, man, he's, he can play defense. We watched the Mets this year. All right, second second worst on defense behind the Orioles. That's a that's a thing that decides games. And where I'm going with this is the Mets had a great offensive catcher in Wilson Ramos. He hit for them all year, had a 29-day hit streak. And believe it or not, the Mets are considering trading him because they want Yasmani Grandal. Defensively. He's horrible defensively. He, you know, base dealers, it was pretty much money. Like take this base. Yeah, it was it was a free base. And for the Mets, that, that's not something they believe in because when you have pitchers that are that good, free bases turn into runs. And for these pitchers, Jacob deGrom, you know, a guy trying to target low ERAs, when guys are stealing bags, you have to have a good defensive catcher. And the Mets do appreciate that some of these guys, Tomas Nito for them, can call a good game. And that's important. But when... Syndergaard is refusing to play with Ramos because his defense sucks and he can't call games. That calls into question everything, right? And you don't want Tomas Nito starting games. So I think they're going to try to... I'm pretty confident in saying I think Yasmani Grandal leaves the Cruz. I think I think he leaves. I do think they re-sign Moustakis. Um, if M- Moustakis goes, lo- goes out, I think Moustakis and Josh Donaldson are kind of the more affordable replacements to, like, a Rendon. Um, I think that's kind of the market we're going to see. I think Wheeler for the Mets is a guy that is so, like, if you look at all the analytics, all the numbers, they have him at the tops, right? His, his fastball Fast average is 97. Dude. He throws hard. He's a nice slider and a good changeup. He's a three-pitch pitcher that has effective stuff. He even has, has a split change. So guys like that that haven't really tapped into their full potential, you don't know what you're getting a Wheeler. If Wheeler goes to an organization like the Braves, um, which isn't awesome at developing talent, like they usually even go for the for the Dallas Keuchel type, the guy who's like doesn't throw hard but gets gets outs. I think Wheeler, and, and I and I want to refrain from making any bold claims. I think Wheeler is in a sense what could be the next Garrett Cole. Okay, Garrett Cole was not awesome when he was on Pittsburgh. He was good. Great at times, but good. Four ERA when he left Pitt. We're talking about Wheeler, 3.96 ERA. Has he tapped into this potential? Not really. Have we seen him throw some awesome games? Yeah. 
Have we seen him get blown up? Yeah. If someone figures out how to flip that switch and turn him into being Jacob deGrom-like all the time, I think that's a guy that has all the talent in the world, and if you figure him out, I think he's, he's successful. Really good. Yeah. In terms of Milwaukee, like I said, I think Grandal leaves. I think Moustakis resigns. MLB trade rumors had Pineda, Michael Pineda, going to Milwaukee. I think it's a fit. He's been all over the place. He's been all over the place. And, you know, from, what was it, New York Yankees? New York Yankees, to, yeah. And then he had Tommy John, Twins. then he went to the Twins, Twins, right? I think that's kind of the type they really should target. He's he's a good player. Um, is he, you know, $20 million a year? No. But we're talking about Milwaukee. It's not a huge market, and that's probably the price range they should be around. Um. In, in to finish up this this convo uh, in terms of the MLB free agents, I think the Reds are buyers. Uh, they bought on Trevor Bauer. That was a shock to everyone. I know when Trevor yeah, Bauer went Cleveland to the Reds, traded I traded him to yeah. a bad Reds team. I mean, a lot of people expected him to be traded to a And then they sent contender. away Puig, and we're like, what? You know, so clearly he's there for them. Clearly, yeah, they, I mean, Sonny Gray was awesome. Sonny Gray, and now Trevor Bauer. Yeah. They need some positional backup for them. They have the pitching, they don't have the hitting. And if they go out and just load up, even their bullpen was great. Um, If they go out and and load up on some some real hitters, they got a chance. I think the Cubs are declining. Um, Whether they want to admit it or not, I I think they're going to try to build for the future, maybe three years down the road. I don't think there's any scenario, to be honest with you, where you trade KB and you get better. And I don't think they're trying to get better. I think they're trying to load up on prospects, maybe getting one elite player back that they think might be a better fit for than KB. But I don't think the Cubs think they can re-sign KB in a year, which is probably in a year or two years, which is the, which is really the issue. And that's why I think they're going to start selling these guys. In terms of my probability for Contreras, I think it's 75-25 he gets traded. Um, I do think it's one or the other, but I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, you know, we'll see. But I think the Reds do buy. I, I think they're a, a, a good team. I, I do. They're going to do great things in the future, I think. They're going to do some positive things moving forward to try and help their uh, team to uh, win more games in a tough conference. I agree. Um, let's talk about my my fantasy start sit list, okay? In terms of the quarterbacks this week for the for the NFL, I have Winston and Kyler, you know, facing off each other. I think that's a high-scoring game. Uh, bad defenses. Bad defenses. And Kyler's, explosive you know, explosive offenses. Um, Winston's kind of all over the place. You know, you either get... Last week he was good, but then some weeks... But he's horrible. You know, so it's, it's... I think this is a week where he, you know, we see that good play. In terms of the sits for quarterbacks, I just don't like what I'm seeing from Goff. And, you know, I think you could start him, but I don't think you're going to get top 5, top 10 production. I think probably realistically probably around 13, 14 in terms of where I have him ranked for the QB this week. And Garoppolo. I think Garoppolo's good. I'm not convinced he's a fantasy, fantasy. quarterback. Um, and I, I'm not sure he, he looks exactly like the same way he did last week. I have him probably around 13 to 15, that kind of general range. But I don't think he's bad. I just, I'm just i not sold that 
this is his week in the matchups. I don't like, you know, obviously something to look into, but that's kind of my take for the quarterbacks. For the running backs, I have Singletary. I think Singletary is like a surprising finisher. We've seen him go from, in terms of the percent of snaps he's played, it's kind of been all over the place between him, him and Frank Gore. I think he's kind of starting to capture that role. He's He's been looking a lot better recently. And, he, you know, he's a small, shifty guy, which is perfect in today's NFL offenses. Um, I think he has a good week. In terms of other guys, tonight we got uh, – it's Thursday, so tonight we have Jalen Samuels. Connor's out. Samuels is a big buy. Um, I don't think Samuels is all that. First but playing, right? uh, I, I th- thought it was Oakland versus – it's Oakland versus someone. I strike. Oakland versus Chargers. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So, when that Steelers game happens, uh, obviously with Con- Connor not expected to play, that that boosts Jalen Samuel's, you know, way up fancy value. I mean, it, it explodes. Um, and even if he what if he if he decides to play, I think it's going to be an unlimited snap count. So I'm pretty confident in Jalen Samuel's this week for the sits. Uh, Hunt. And I don't think he's a bad player either. This is just not a guy I'm willing to throw in the fire. In his first week back, him, you know, I, there have been some type of reports as to whether or not he'll steal some snaps for Chubb, but I'm not convinced they give him a full workload in his first week back. I think they take it easy. Mixon also, I think he's on the decline. You know, he's definitely not the player we thought he was coming into yeah. the year. So uh, I'm not. Year. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not buying in him as a top fifteen running back this week. For my wide receivers, I have Emmanuel Sanders. He's looked great, like a, a, a natural fit for Garoppolo recently. Great addition. Yeah. Um, and Mike Williams, I think that's a good fit as well. Keenan Allen's been struggling recently. Yeah, and he's injured, and I, I think Mike Williams is a safe pick. I think he has probably top 20 potential easily, um, but could even end up being top 15 if, if, if he has. I'm not playing him this week. You're not? I'm starting uh, Julio Jones and Kenny Galladay. I can't blame you. Galladay is probably better than than Mike Williams. Um, in terms of my sits at wide receiver, A.J. Green, um, now it doesn't even look like he's going to play uh, because yeah. he re-aggravated his whatever injury. He needs a to go down on his knee. Yeah. You know, I'm not... Can't rush him back. You can't. Um, it's a long-term investment. But he's a free agent at the end of the year, so someone's going to pay him, um, you know, thinking they have that potential. And Boyd, too, it is a little bit of a difference if A.J. Green's not back and it's Boyd. I just don't I don't like Boyd. Uh, I don't think it's a good matchup for him. I don't think he's top 20 this week. I could be wrong, but I, I just I don't like what I've been seeing. It's Ryan Finley's first week. God knows. You know, Peterman blew up when everyone thought. I mean, very similar quarterback. So we got to look out. For these, and Finley's not really a big play type of guy. It's kind of marched on the field slowly, so I, I'm not convinced that he has a great week. I'm gonna we're gonna finish on the hot takes of the week. I'm gonna start off with mine. I think Kyle Shanahan has overtaken Bill Belichick as the best coach in the NFL. Definitely a bold take. We're talking about a Hall of Famer versus a guy in his fourth year, and for the first three years they've been kind of below average to average. Um, what do we make of that? I think he's. I think I, you know. I've watched he's a few Forty Nine ers games right now. Do you think he's better than Belichick or no? Uh, I don't know if you can say that yet. Yeah, yeah. he might be eight and zero, but I think 
we'll see what happens down the stretch if he can lead his team far into the playoffs and then see next year too because Belichick's been what the goat for yeah forever many years. right like come on it might just be a fluke here for all might, yeah I don't know if Shanahan can take that throne yet I mean look at the Panthers remember that one year they were like undefeated till week fifteen they were fourteen and zero look at them now like Cam Newton's not even a starting quarterback you know so time flies that that's a real thing you know is it, is it a fluke here but I I've watched these 49ers games and and his game plan looks I I would say immaculate it looks great um and I, I think in my opinion I think he's overtaking Bill Belichick Nate what's your hot take of the week very hot scorching hot yeah I think that Mitchell Trubisky starts to play well again and that's something I I highly disagree with so I want to hear the reasoning behind this I think it's time him and Nagy, I think it's time. I mean, you see the leadership he Trubisky's had turning off all the TVs in Hallis Hall. He's sick and tired of hearing all the critics. I think, I just think it's time. I mean, you're going up against a struggling Lions team. I think that Lions team, though, is similar a lot to better. the Bears. I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for. The record says something other than that, but I think Matt Patricia's taken a step up recently. I just think that Trubisky's had enough of the the hate of the hate. I think it's time he gets over it. And don't see, don't be surprised. Don't rule out the Bears yet. You don't think I? I'm ruling out the Bears. Bear down. I mean, I don't trust Matt Lafleur. I don't either. I I don't trust Matt Lafleur, but I do think that the Rams. If there's any team that looks like they're out of it right now, I'm calling the Rams. They got a chance. It might be a little too late. But between the Rams, the Vikings, and the Seahawks, I mean, those three, I think one of the three is a lock to, to be that, that wild card spot. I don't think the Bears are in it at this point. There's still a lot of time left, though. We'll see what happens. We will see. Uh, thank you for tuning in to Inside and Out with Mike and Nate. Tune in next week. Have a great day.